Well, I'd like to just kind of take a run at telling you about earnestly contending for the faith. Earnestly contending for the faith. All right. How many of you know that Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace? He said, I come to bring a sword. All right. Now, I will tell you that runs against everything. And the reason there's so much... uh, how many of you are comfortable looking someone in the eye? Maybe some of you are. I know some of you are. But how many of you are not looking uh, comfortable looking someone in the eye and saying, no, that's wrong? How many of you are not? So I see some hands kind of, you know, <laughs> raise them high, you know. All right, no. So confrontation is not what we're comfortable with. And I will tell you why. In our culture, tolerance is king. And the only people that you cannot be tolerant to are people that are intolerant. And so we don't tolerate intolerance, is what one particular lady said. I was listening to a guy, and he said he was a lady in Texas. She's a, she has a doctorate. She's heavy into education. And she said, the practice of education in the public sphere is to not tolerate intolerance. You're like, oh, quick question. I know you got a doctorate, you're a very educated person. I'm sure you know the answer. What do you call not tolerating intolerance? That'd be intolerance. All right, so that's the kind of rhetoric that we're facing, and that's why at some levels in our culture we're uncomfortable with um, sharing our faith. But let's look at what uh, the apostle said. Jude, a servant of the Lord, brother of James, to them that are sanctified. How many of you are sanctified? Yeah, I've been saved and sanctified. Now, I can't unpack that, but we are sanctified. That's true. Uh, By God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. How many of you are preserved? You got the the seal of the Spirit. That's good, good. And uh, uh, preserved in Jesus Christ and called, right? We're called. And mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. How many of you say, ooh, I like that, I want that? All right, that's exactly right. That who he's, that's who he's talking to. So the first point that Jude makes is that it's the responsibility of every believer to earnestly contend for the faith. It's up to every one of us that are sanctified by the Father, that are preserved in Jesus Christ, and that have peace and love multiplied unto us. If you're saved, you're baptized in Jesus' name, you got the good tongue-talking Holy Ghost, then your job is to earnestly contend for the faith. It's not the job, oh, Brother Kilman, that's really just for you because you've been trained and you're the dean of biblical studies, you know, Indiana Bible College, and that's... You know, if I had you in my pocket, I could pull you out. And I don't know if I could fit in there, but you have a big pocket. Too many black, too much blackout cake. Uh, but, you know, and may, maybe that's for Brother Mooney or maybe, you know, those IBC students. But that's not for me. No, if you have been saved, God did not create you to set you on a pew to ride to heaven. God has made us, each one. Every one of us, every believer, your job is to earnestly contend for the faith. He says it three different ways. It's kind of like he's trying to teach them. He's using repetition to draw them in. Uh, One particular man said it this way. He says, people try to co-opt the Great Commission. They say, well, you know, go ye therefore into all the world, make disciples. Oh, that doesn't mean free. That means all those preachers and evangelists, especially the missionaries. 
How many of you like the statement where Jesus says, lo, I am with you always? How many of you want that verse? You cannot have, lo, I am with you always, unless you get, go ye therefore. Right? Because it's in the same context of the passage, and what God has done is he's built a church to reach this world. Right? But So when someone says, that's not for me, that's for you, Brother Kilman, say, no, 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 uh, something like this. My job, Brother Kilman, is not to preach and to teach and to you know, know all of that stuff. I don't really need to know that. I can just live a life. And that's true. You can live a life that's exemplary, that testifies. But, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live a life to such a way that, that people will walk by and say, wow, that color that you painted your house is so staggering. Please tell me what I can do to have eternal life. The way you drive your car is so amazing that I want to fall on my knees right now and ask you, what must I do to be saved? No. Your job is to witness. Your job is to ask them. Your job is to present the gospel and share your faith. You should be working conversations towards getting people in church. You should be not manipulating in a bad way, but we're as deceivers and yet true. Wise as serpents and harmless as doves, right? That means what we should do. Are you saying I should connive? Yes. What I'm saying. Because you have their best interests at heart. And you're looking for opportunities from which to share your faith. Right? So all of us, that's what Jude is saying, all of us that have been blood-bought are called to give an answer. And by the way, he says, uh, I, I wanted to write, on you, write to you about our common salvation, and it was needful for me to write to you about this issue. He says, I was going to write to you about our common salvation and the Spirit drove me to speak to you to say earnestly contend. I wanted to just come and talk about being saved and how we're redeemed, but the Spirit drove me to say something else, to preach something else, that you should be about earnestly contending for the faith. And I think that's where this wonderful group is. We have training, but God has just sent this poor preacher by to preach a text that's right there in his word saying, earnestly contend, that's your job. And if you'll do that, God will do wonderful things. But what happens? Well, first of all, how can that happen? You have to know some things about the faith. He says, earnestly contend for the faith that was which was delivered unto the saints. He didn't say delivered unto the elders and the bishops or the Catholic Pope and the clergy and you get to be the laity and they tell you not to read the Bible and not to study and not to witness. He didn't say earn, uh, contend for the faith that was delivered only to the preachers. And by the way, just let me take a side note. I, I don't think you have to be some Greek expert. Greek and Hebrew will help you sharpen your arguments. But I'm going to tell you, we are not going back to the Catholic Church where people say the Bible is so complicated that you don't even have a good translation in your hands from which to witness from. So you really need to trust me with all of the expertise. And once again, like the Catholic Church did, take the Bible out of the hands of the people so they can't witness, they can't reach their world, and they have to sit under their power. That's not what God has in mind. You didn't know what I felt about translations today. Now you know. So it's not handed unto the clergy. So that means you must have some knowledge of your faith. If you cannot defend the Godhead now, in a 10-minute presentation, you need to correct that. 
If you can't defend why we baptize in Jesus' name, and it has to be believer's baptism, and we don't sprinkle, if you can't defend that in a 10-minute conversation over coffee in the break room, you need to correct that now. Why? Because God's going to trust you with people that want to be reached. But you've got to equip yourself. So if you're going to earnestly contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints, that means you have to have a knowledge of what that faith is. I'm going to have to drop some stories out. You get the uh, point. But here's, the, here's what you need to understand. The Bible didn't say earnestly contend for your own views. We fight crazy battles, weird stuff. We fight over whether or not, I promise you, there's a preacher that got red in the face over whether or not Adam had a belly button. Well, because, you know, of course, Brother Kilman, that uh, the Bible says that Adam was created in the image of him that was to come. And that, of course, means physically Christ. Well, is that what that means? I'll leave that alone. Well, and you know, so Jesus had a belly button, and that means if Jesus had a belly button and Adam was created in the image of, oh, so he looked just, he was Jesus' identical twin or something. And, and, you know, Jesus had an umbilical cord. Well, of course he did. So he had a belly button. So Adam had to have a belly button. Maybe God went, boop, you're done or something. All right. And so <laughs> makes sense, doesn't it? Okay, we will fight over the weirdest things, but I'm going to tell you, some of the battles where we should be fighting, I don't hear anybody out there wrestling with some people. Look, you can, you can sit in your own little coffee shop and talk to apostolics about little weird eccentricities of text, or you can get out in the street where the battle is and lead people to an understanding where they can be introduced to God. Don't waste your time fighting stupid battles that, that make no sense. My Lord, man, please, I, I, if you know me at all, you know I like talking about the Bible and all of truth's important and all that. Please don't misread me. I'm just saying, it's like uh, one, one particular czar was walking through a, a, a garden and there's a soldier standing in the middle of the, 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 the palace, isolated from any type of threat, and there's this soldier standing there. Boom, standing there. Nothing's there. Nothing of value, nothing of worth. And he looks at the guy and says, what you doing? He said, I'm on my post. And see that. What are you doing? I'm guarding. Yeah, the picture. What are you guarding? I don't know. They just told me to come here. He said, well, go find out and don't come back until you know. Until you know why you're here guarding. And come to find out, 150 years earlier, Catherine had planted a rose bush, and she didn't want anybody stepping on her roses, so she positioned a guard there, and there he is standing right there by that guard, guarding that little rose bush so no one steps on it. And long after the roses are gone, you, gone, you still have this soldier standing there wasting his time and energy on a battle that's insignificant. And what you need to do is plug into the things that matter. Don't get caught up in dumb arguments and, and all the wasted time because here's what will happen if you waste your time if the enemy can't thwart you he will get you to fight trivial battles i'm not talking about like a sensuality and stuff like that i'm talking about know where the real issues are in our time know know what you're going to face know what uh, types of things by the way which are coming down in our movement so uh two things is what the church is called to do everybody say i'm the church that's right. That means I'm going leave, to leave Calvary Tabernacle, the rest of them alone. I'm talking to us. This is what God has chosen us to do. This is our job, to reach the lost and disciple people. And with those two agendas in mind, we have to understand that if we're going to do that effectively, we have to train ourselves. 
then we have to equip ourselves with the best tools available. And if you will plug in, I promise you, the teachers that are here will give you the best ways, the best approaches, the best of what we have to offer uh, from which to uh, answer people. For instance, whenever someone argues or wants to get in a, not argue, wants to get in a conversation with me about the Godhead or about baptism in Jesus' name, this is what I say. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Um, let, let me start out. So I'll give you an instance. Maybe you've heard me st- tell this story. Forgive me if you have, but it illustrates the point. We're in Grand Rapids. There's a guy behind the counter, um, and we're going, we got all these students. Where are you guys from? He says, oh, oh, we're from Indiana Bible College. We got all of our students here. We're showing them Baker Bookhouse, and uh, we're going to introduce them to all sorts of wonderful people from history. And the guy says, uh, um, wow. He said, so uh, what, I mean, what denomination are you? What type of Christian are you? I said, well, we're Pentecostal. He goes, oh, he said, is that like Catholic? Oh, not really like, too much like Catholic. He says, you know, because they don't know, right? So you, you just be nice, and you, but you have to be pointed as well. And he said, uh, um, okay, he said, so you're, you're not Catholic, but you believe in the Trinity. And I said, um, no, we wouldn't necessarily believe in anything the Bible wouldn't teach, so no, we wouldn't believe in the Trinity. Okay, it was just nice, right? And that tone of voice, just nice. We're talking. And he's like, oh, all right, window of opportunity. I said, take for instance. Now, I'm going to take the place he wants. Take for instance, Matthew 28, 19. All right, you should start with that verse. We're the only church that baptizes, by the way, according to Matthew 28, 19. We're the only one that gets it right. And I say to him, and, and ask it this way. Don't ask him what the name of the Father is. Don't start there. Just trust me. I said, um, so uh, for instance, take Matthew 28, 19. Well, go ye therefore unto all nations, baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, right? You've heard that before. He says, yes, heard that before. I said, uh, okay, so what is the name of the Son of God? All right, no lightning, right? No lightning, right? You didn't feel lightning. But I'm telling you, that's lightning right there. You should, if you're writing down notes, scribble that down. Because that's what you ask him first. Because everyone you ask, what is the name of the Son of God? Everybody will say, Jesus. And I'll say, that's right. Matthew 121. Have a son, call his name Jesus. No son is not his name, right? That's right. I have it. Because if son's not a name, then father can't be a name, and spirit can't be a name, and there's only one name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. And so that gives you the best tool from which to witness. Okay, how many of you think you can do that little 30-second conversation? Right? That's the best tool from which to start uh, discussing whether or not baptism in Jesus' name is appropriate. And then from there, he says, uh, well, yeah, I guess I see what you're saying. I said, well, Acts 4 and 12, there's only one saving name. That's the name Jesus. Then I, and uh, he, we talk, and I'm going up to my room, and, and he stops me at the door. He's coming back down from one of the hotel rooms up top. And he has a Gideon Bible. He says, now, are you going to your room? How many of you have heard me tell this story? Am I boring you to death? Okay. Right, he says, uh, you're, you're, um, you're going to your room. I said, yeah, I need to get a little shut-eye. we got an early morning. pastor told us he wants us to look halfway decent, so I'm trying to be obedient. Right, get some shut-eye. He said, well, I was hoping we could talk some more. Oh, I'd love to talk. And he said, well, you're questioning my baptism. Oh, no. No, I'm not questioning your baptism. Now, if Scripture's doing that, that's something else, but I'm not questioning Okay, what you can do is let them fight with the Bible. Don't let them fight with you. Let them fight with the text. And so we go down, and what do I do? Now, I can quote it. I can read it. 
But one of the most powerful tools is to have them read it. I said, open your Bible there to Acts chapter 2. What, is, what does it say? Let me baptize everyone. Now, how does it say to be baptized? Baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. That's right. I said, well, now let's flip over. All right, this is what you should, be, you should do to, in your head. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. Very simple. And so I said, go to Acts chapter 2. Then go to Acts uh, chapter 8. Oh, yeah, it's the Samaritans. How did they? Commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's right, in the name of the Lord Jesus. I said, now let's go to Acts chapter 10. Close to the end of the passage, there they are. They're, the Holy Ghost falls on them. They receive the Holy Ghost, begin to speak in other tongues. And they commanded them what? Baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, and even before I can say it, he says, now, but wait a minute, this doesn't say for them to be rebaptized. Oh, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Let's go to Acts 19. See, some of John's disciples. Yeah, they're going through the upper coast. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? We don't even know what that is. Okay, well, then how were you baptized? Under John's baptism. Oh, they were baptized, right? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, you have to appreciate, this is a man in his 50s. I'm what, some 30, uh, some year old uh, dude. Uh, many years his senior. or uh, He's many years my senior. I'm many years his junior. And so there, I promise you, He's there, and he's visibly troubled. And he said, I just, I don't know if I believe this. And I said to him, look, my agenda is not to take you out and dunk you in some tank tonight. Jesus, Now, if you want that, I'd be happy to do that. But what you need to do is come to these scriptures and wrestle with them and decide what that means. I promise you, we're going to give you good tools. We're going to show you how to defend your faith. But unless you're willing to earnestly contend, unless you're willing to push past your uncomfortableness, you will never have those moments in which you can share all that God intended. Brother Kilman, have you done that every time? Lord, no, I've blown it. God told me to go speak to someone. I've blown it. I'm intimidated. I remember being in Burger King as a young uh, black couple beautiful couple, had a little baby, and, and I felt like God was telling me to go tell them, say, you have a wonderful family. You have God. I wish I could. God does have other people think God oh, wants to be witnesses, but I want to be, right? You want to be, right? Why let somebody else have the stories? Why let somebody else reach them if, if God wants to trust you with it? He says, earnestly contend for the faith. Now, why does he say to do that? This is why. Why is it important? Because if we don't contend for the faith, watch what happens. He says, if you don't contend, for certain men have crept in unawares who were uh, beforehand ordained to uh, condemnation, ungodly men, and this is what they do. If you do not contend for the faith, you allow ungodly men to represent what we believe. Who in the world do you think is going to tell them about Acts 2.38? The Baptist? If no, if, look, if you're, the, if you're the only apostolic on your job, who else is going to be the witness there? And if you don't, there will be some Baptist person or some Church of Christ person or some Muslim there, and they will share their faith. And that's what the Scripture's saying. He says you need to earnestly contend for the faith because if you don't, there is a vacuum. And he said, there, there are these other people who say they are Christian and they're not, and they will try to represent what we believe. I'll go further than that. 
in terms of people that come in and we're discipling. If you choose to remain silent in your friend's life, there are people that call themselves apostolic and are not. And if you don't speak on the issues, they will speak on them. You have to say, I will earnestly contend and I will not leave it to these ungodly men who want to do two things. What do they want to do? They want to, first of all, turn the grace of God into lasciviousness or lawlessness and deny the only Lord and Savior. That's what will happen. How many of you want somebody like that speaking into your family's life or your friend's life or your church's life or this group? When they get here, we should be strong enough to look at somebody and say, all due respect, I know what you're teaching is not right. We love you. We want you to be here, but you're not going to be the only voice they hear. That's why I think we can do uh, what we can do. Ungodly men. No, that won't happen, Brother Kim. Surely you're not saying that will happen. Okay, yes, it's already happening. It's happening right now. One particular man in our movement, a minister, uh, wrote in a book, I think that people could possibly be saved that don't speak in tongues. You're going to earnestly contend? You're going to be able to have a two-minute, three-minute Bible study that shows people, no, this is why tongues are essential to salvation. I, I, all right, I'm just, I'm, I'm like a loose cannon tonight. This is terrible. Or somebody that would say this. You, how can you have someone that calls themselves a believer in the Bible and they deny something like a worldwide flood? It claims 40 times in the Bible that it's worldwide. Archaeology backs it up. And you, if you're struggling with whether or not you can believe what the Bible says, and when Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, everybody on the face of the earth is going to be judged? you got a problem with Jesus, my friend. And what we have to be able to do is defend the Word of God and be able to say, look, look I, all due respect, we're going to wrestle with the real, what the real issues are. I will give you one more example, one of the things I hope we cover in this doctrinal bit. What do you mean by inspiration? And one man said to me, well, I don't, I don't believe in biblical inspiration. Turn in your license. Or quit signing a lie. Evil men have crept in unawares, ungodly. Because look, if you deny, right, here's the, here, you ready? All you have to do, for the, and we're going to have some fun study. So I, I think Sister Miller asked what the title of the book was. It's called Suicide of Modern Theology by John Mark Montgomery. He traces, he, he traces the historical development. They start with liberal historical critical study where they start tearing the Bible apart. I'm not sure the Bible's been preserved. We don't know if we really have the Bible. We're finally getting to where we may have the Bible today. That's scholarship. I promise you that's where it's at. And some of our wonderful people are, are, are reading it and studying it and also teaching it. So you have to be careful what you believe. Why? Well, because everything we say builds on something else. I have to quit, right, baby? Okay. <laughs> oh, no. So here's what happens. If we don't have the Bible... How do we know what to believe? We don't know what's inspired and what's not, right? Well, maybe it's this text, or maybe it's that text, or maybe it's none of these texts. Maybe it's this set of texts over here, and, and pretty soon we don't know which part of the Bible we can trust. You know what happens after that? Well, if we can't trust that we have the Bible preserved, then how do we know Christ is even?
I promise that's the historical development. It's happened already in history. And now here we are as apostolics wrestling with the same thing ourselves. Right? So it's our turn. And uh, hopefully we'll have a whole lot of fun in this class. So the point that Jude is making, he's saying, look, and I'm done. You have to train yourself and equip yourself because if you do not earnestly contend, then there will be other people who will speak for us. Ungodly people. And the only way that you can speak the truth by turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, that's lawlessness. How in the world can someone think it's wise to take our people back to the bar? I wouldn't say, as long as you don't get drunk. Well, what's drunk? If I'm a one sheet to the wind, two sheets to the wind, how many sheets to the wind I got to be? No, Brother Kimberly, that's not. Or, or, you know, all that holiness and antiquated notions of what spirituality is. That's right. Take our girls back to Hollywood where somebody has lied to them and told them they're not beautiful, but we can sell you what you need to be. God help us. Evil men, ungodly men, change, changing grace into disgrace. Now that's where we're at. That's why, ladies, when we did that whole session and we're going to do a little bit more on terms of what the Bible teaches on, on uh, doctrine and separation and things. Why? Because older women should teach the younger. And you should be able to tell them, no, no, no. We have escaped the corruption of the world through lust, being made partakers of his divine nature. We've been called to something else, and I can show you why. I can walk you through the verses, and I can detox you from all of the lies that the world has given you about what you look. Family. <laughs> We're gonna have a whole. I hope it will be a whole lot of fun for you. Uh, I don't know if I'm doing good or not, Brother Lopez. All right. So what we will do? What you? What if you were there at the Q and A session? A lot of the things that were asked. Powerful, powerful stuff. Deep stuff. Sister Mass was there. She says that's one of the funnest things I've ever been a part of because she. I honestly, she said I did not expect questions of that depth. Right. Right, that makes it fun for teachers. And that, and how many of you had fun that were there? I understand not all of you could make it because of work and whatnot. But it was incredibly fun. I, would I was getting peppered online at Facebook. Record it, record it, record it. Please post it, record it. All right, so it's, it'll be a lot of fun. But it does no good to be trained, first of all, and equipped with the best tools and then just sit on the shelf. Train yourself. Equip yourself. And then launch yourself. And that's what we want to do. How many of you will say, I want to I know what I believe, first of all? How many of you say, I want the best tools to reach people? We're going to do our best to give you those. And then if we will do that, how many of you will commit and say, if you will help us, Brother Kilman and the rest of the teaching staff will help, and Brother Barkas with his leadership and Sister Barkas, I will commit to trying to reach out to this city. I promise you it's easy. You can get out there and you can just talk to people. You get over your fear. Get over the fear of the doctrine of tolerance. Get over the fear of, oh, what if they reject me? Brother, last story. Brother Waldron had a lady call him and say, I want to come, I'm gonna, I think I want to come visit your church. What kind of church do you have? He said, well, we're, we're Pentecostal, apostolic Pentecostal. So, oh, I can't come to your church. He said, oh, why in the world wouldn't you want to come to our church? You're welcome to our church. He said, no, no, I'm lesbian. I know what you guys believe. You, you wouldn't welcome me to church. He said, no. He said, come. You would love our church. 
We'll love on you. People will be nice to you. You you will be brought in. You'll meet all sorts of wonderful people, and and we'll love on you. He said, "Oh wow! So uh, you don't preach against homosexuality?" He said, "No, no. Of course we believe what the Bible says that homosexuality is an abomination. But you know that's that's no different than any other abomination, or uh, you know lots of people that sin come to our church, and you know it's like lying or." Or drinking, or some of the other sins. We just, but that's you may be up, and you may hear us come across something in the preaching, but we're not going to run you out of the church, and we're not going to hate on you or be mean, mean spirited to you. We're going to love on you. You'll love. You'll have meet wonderful friends. You'll have a good time. You'll feel the spirit of God. You'll hear good Bible teaching that'll be applicable to your life in terms of how uh, to function. All sorts of wonderful things. And she said, "Wow, I may come to your church." So if you know how to reach people in love, you'll just risk. I promise that God will help us. Lord, I pray you bless this wonderful crew that's here. There are so many talented, gifted, loving people. I pray, Lord, that you would alleviate fear that they give themselves to study. Because, Lord, when we give ourselves to study and, and equipping ourselves, sometimes that gives us enough courage to step out and, and we can see giants fall. And we can see walls of cities collapse in people's homes and in their lives. We can see spiritual deliverance occur. Give us those opportunities. I know the hunger in this group is for that. Help us to do the hard work of paying attention and giving ourselves to study and application so we can do what we really want and reach our families and reach our friends and reach our city. We ask this in Jesus' name. It's going to be a good time. I believe we're going to do it. God bless. Have a good night.